What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Locked on Vikings on a Thursday. Welcome to the show. I'm Sam Ekstrom at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Special bi-week guest on this Thursday. Don't worry. He's not related to Troy Williamson. It's Matt Williamson at Williamson NFL. Big time beat writer in this league, and we're glad to have him hosting Locked On NFL, one of our flagship podcasts. How you doing, Matt? I'm fantastic. Good to talk to you. Yeah, good to have you here. You know, I work pretty hard covering this Vikings beat and doing this Vikings podcast. Can't imagine what it takes to cover all 32 of these teams. I wouldn't know any different, to be honest with you. I've gotten more involved since I left ESPN. I've gotten more involved with the Steelers, and I work for their radio network, so I'm getting to know a lot of these beat reporters a little bit more. And I kind of look at it like I don't know how you can talk about one team every day. (laughs) I mean, there's just – not that much happens around one team in a day for me. I mean, I'm used to digesting 32 of them at once. So I, I don't find it hard at all. I haven't worked a day in a long time. It's it's minutiae around here, that's for sure, especially during the bye week. That's why we call on people like you to give us more of the broad, the 30,000-foot lens and the broad scope. So, I mean, let's talk just for a moment about the Vikings. It is locked on Vikings after all. What's your perception of this team, the only undefeated team in the NFL right now? I think a lot of people finally buying in. Well, I mean, going just looking at them from afar, and even you know, you write about these, you talk about these teams, and I write about these teams so much in the off season, and nothing really new happens on the field, draft, all those things. And my, my thoughts on the team were, boy, it looks like they really went out of their way this off season to improve in the two areas that needed it the most. You know, and that's offensive line and the receiver position. You know, use a first round pick on Treadwell still was going to be a, a Peterson-centric offense. But one thing I even said back then was, I think this is one of the few defenses in the league that can challenge Denver for that crown, You know, for to be the top group in the league. Big Zimmer fan. A lot of these guys are growing up together on that side of the ball, it, all hitting their prime at the same time, Barr and Harrison Rhodes, all these guys. Um, and they also have some some leadership there too. They still have the Greenways of the world, and some of these older guys that have been there and can keep the ship going. Terrence Newman. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been very very high on the defense, and they've even exceeded my expectations since then. Obviously, a lot has changed since that point on offense, and because of all the you know guys coming back from injury and signing Boone and Smith. And I thought the offensive line would be, frankly, would be better. And it, it has not been. It's still an area of concern for me. Um, I was very much in favor of the Bradford trade. And I feel like I've been a Bradford, Bradford apologist now for years. I'm one of the guys that's on the side of the fence that, boy, he hasn't had enough around him to, to really thrive. 
And even last year, no one noticed it, but the last half of the season in Philadelphia, he played really well. And everyone just wants to talk about Chip Kelly doesn't know what he's doing. And, you know, but Bradford played really well in that last last stretch for them. And he's even exceeding my expectations now, too. Um, I expected more from the receiver position. You know, it's, it's odd to me that you probably know this better than I do, but why isn't Treadwell a contributor? But things I've written lately are things are going so well for the Vikings what if Corderell Patterson or Treadwell step up in that second half of the year and play to their ability? I mean, that could really kickstart this group. No doubt. I can answer your Treadwell question. You know, I watched him every day throughout training camp and then, you know, leading going into the preseason, we still had practice access. So I saw a lot of Treadwell, watched him very closely. He doesn't have great separation, which was one of the issues uh, on sure. Treadwell going into the draft. But I think what was really disappointing is he didn't show really great hands or a great ability to go get the ball. I mean, that was what everyone coveted with Laquan Treadwell was a big-bodied, tall, wide-catch-radius guy that could make tough catches. And he just didn't do that against NFL-level corners uh, in Minnesota. And obviously, he's going against dudes like Trey Waynes. Uh, Terrence Newman, you know, quality cornerbacks in practice, so it's going to sure. be a little more a little more difficult on him. But didn't show the best catch radius ever. Certainly more impressed with guys like Cordero Patterson and Adam Thielen, who really have stepped up and given this Vikings team a boost. And it's funny you mention the line. Well, you're right, the line has not been good. And you mentioned the run game, and obviously without Peterson, the Vikings have actually one of the more inefficient run games in the league, just 2.5 yards per carry. So it's not the areas they you know that you thought would carry them. It is the defense. The defense is pulling its weight, but then it's the receivers stepping up, Bradford making throws, and the Vikings winning the game through the air, which uh, I think is a nice combination when you have, you know, a, a defense that can score and put you in a, in great situations. That's the perfect tonic for a quarterback that, you know, has been looking his whole career for kind of a pick-me-up. Absolutely, and 98% of everything we should talk about right now with the Vikings is positive. Um, but I do have my concerns, too, in that can the defense and special teams, not can they keep it up. I think the defense will still be elite the whole season. But can they consistently score points like they have at the beginning of the season? Mm-hmm. You know, And I think that's a hard thing to maintain no matter who you are. I mean, just to count on defense and special teams to put points on the board. I think the running game's starting to maybe show signs of life, but I don't believe in it. Um, I do believe in Bradford. I do believe in Diggs, and I think Rudolph has expanded role. But I also think Bradford's going to take a lot of hits, you know, I mean, especially with the left tackle situation. His injury, I'm not a big believer in, boy, he's been injured a lot. He's going to get injured, you know, but he's going to take hits, and we know his injury history. That's certainly a concern for me. And just overall, that style of play, and, you know, I know the Broncos won the Super Bowl doing the same thing last year. But it's just a fine line. You know, I mean, right when you're playing quality teams and you have to win 13-10, 16-13, you know, you get a bad bounce in the fourth quarter and it costs you. I mean, sometimes it's a difficult recipe to maintain a winning record and be a dominant team or a Super Bowl team when you're so defense-reliant. Yeah, everybody is very enchanted with the Vikings right now around here, but I think you're providing a needed reality check because eventually the clock will strike midnight. People will turn back into pumpkins, and eventually they're going to have to battle through some adversity. And it seems like all the adversity kind of came before the season with uh, with Bridgewater going down and that rash of injuries, the offensive line, and, and then Peterson, obviously. And the Vikings kind of powered through that adversity but what will happen if they go through some adversity on the field, you know, and how are they going to respond? I know Sam Bradford took a hit 
uh, by Whitney Merciless in the Houston game, and everyone held their breath because if he goes down, you don't have another number one pick to give up. I mean, this is it. It's Sam Bradford all the way, and then it's Sean Hill after that. So uh, that, that's obviously a key when you're one injury, one knee blowing out from losing a lot of momentum. So I think you provide some realistic uh, reality checks, but let's assume then, let's assume the Vikings. Real quick, just to yeah. interrupt if you don't mind. Go ahead. I mean, but they did still win big without Stefan Diggs, you know, without Stephon Diggs, you know, like I didn't quite see that coming. You know, I thought he was really their only one weapon. And, you know, if you, what happens if the Packers lose Aaron Rodgers? What, you know, I mean, every team has that same situation. I just don't like the men blocking for Bradford, although I do believe in Bradford very much. What do you think of Jake Long signing? I don't know. I mean, injuries kind of forced him out of the game for a while. They're not bad play. Uh, Sperano obviously has a uh, relationship with him. I almost think, boy, he has to be better than what they're playing with. And I'm a Clemmings fan. I'm here in Pitt, you know, or in Pittsburgh, and I'm a Pitt guy, and I got my start in this business as a Pitt recruiting assistant. But, boy, he's not playing well. And um, I guess it's worth the risk. I mean, I guess it's worth the risk. What do you have to lose? I'm sure he'll be a positive influence in the offensive line meeting room as well. Low financial risk. High reward, that's for sure, with Jake Long. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Matt, let me play a little contender pretender with you, and I want to list off three teams that the Vikings have played most recently, and I think the the case is similar with all three and that they all have high aspirations, and the Vikings kind of brought them down to earth a bit over these last three games. Let's start with Carolina, a team that after that Vikings game has been reeling. They're now 1-4. The Vikings knocked around Newton, then he got concussed the next week. They lose with Derek Anderson. Big-time Super Bowl hangover there. Do you think they can rebound? Maybe. You know, I think getting Stewart back will go a very long way. That loss to the Bucks to me was inexcusable. I mean, that's a game you have to win. The Tampa Bay is not good. Um, but I think they win it if they would have Newton, and Newton comes back. Um, the edge pass rush isn't wonderful. Secondary is a problem. Can they rebound? I think they'll. I think this is the worst that they'll look all year, to be honest with you. Does that mean they can get back and get into the playoff race? I don't know. I don't think they can catch the Falcons. It's it's really disheartening to think, if you're a Panthers fan, to think of what you have to do to likely make the playoffs. I mean, you probably need 10 wins, right? So you're talking a 9-3. Right. and three. Is that, Did I do that math right? No, a 9-2 and two finish just to win 10 games. That's, that's insane. I mean, that's incredible win efficiency. And even if you have a healthy team, you know, are you going to slip up here? Are you going to slip up there? You have to be almost flawless the rest of the way. I don't know what the percentages are, but one in four teams can't make the playoffs very often. No, you're right. And you know, the team, they play the AFC West, which is a difficult division. They have a first-place schedule. They have the Falcons again on the schedule. I don't have their schedule in front of me, but, I mean, I know those games are all ahead, and that's mm-hmm. not easy. And the NFC doesn't look easy either. I mean, I would imagine two teams are going to come out of your guys' division. Wouldn't surprise me if two teams come out of the East, you know, and that's not even talking about the Cardinals. So uh, 10 wins, I think, is a minimum. New York Giants, Vikings beat them by 14 on Monday Night Football. They've now lost three in a row. They've got these issues with Beckham, and obviously a new coach in McAdoo needs to weather this storm. They're 2-3 and three now, and you know they're looking up now at these Dallas Cowboys who have kind of come out of nowhere. What do you think of New York? Really struggled the last couple of weeks, and Ben McAdoo and I actually were graduate assistants at Pitt together way back when, so I'm very much rooting for him. I think he's the right guy for the job. But, boy, they got problems right now, and Eli's playing poorly. He's staring down Beckham. He's not distributing the ball. 
Uh, they have very little running game. The offensive tackle play is very poor. Amazingly, and I don't even think Vernon and JPP are playing that bad, but they only have, I think, four sacks this year. That, I mean, that's that can't happen uh, considering what you're paying those guys off the edge. Uh, the secondary has been banged up. I think they're still right in the hunt with the, the other three teams in that division, and that division's much better than I expected it to be. But I would say they're a middle-of-the-road team. And then lastly, Houston, the Vikings probably played their most thorough game of the year on Sunday, and Brock Osweiler did not look good. I hadn't seen a lot of Brock Osweiler, no. but uh, after a 3-1 and one start, I think people had at least a healthy respect for him going in. But, wow, that's gone after watching him against the Vikings. Uh, had a weak arm, seemed panicked at the line of scrimmage when he had to audible. Just no facet of his game looked strong. Uh, that, that's got to be a concerning loss for Houston. Huge, and I don't think they're a good football team. Um, I thought their defense, you know, I mentioned that I thought the Vikings could be one of the defenses to challenge Denver, you know, for the best in the league. I thought the same of Houston, but now without J.J. Watt, no. You know, I mean, he's the best player on the planet. Uh, now they're still an above-average defense, and that's about it. The offense is horrible, horrible. And Osweiler, I think, is a major reason why. have not been a fan of his at all. Um, and their offensive line is amongst the worst in the league. So I'm not sure things get much better there. The only thing I can say positive right now about Houston is they play in just a dismal division, and you know maybe they get in the playoffs. So what it sounds like you're telling me is the three Vikings wins may not be as impressive as they seemed in retrospect. Correct, but it wasn't like they just squeaked them out, though, either. Right. You know, I mean, great team. Football Outsiders is kind of really known for this. The great teams – put away bad, mediocre teams, and the Vikings are doing that. Uh, my only concern with, with Minnesota is uh, I just think there's some fragility to the offense, and that's not Bradford. It's the blocking. It's the running game. Um, is that enough? All, all valid concerns for sure. So if you look down the road, I mean, I know there's a lot of contenders in this league, and there's a lot of time left, 11 games left in the regular season for most. Who do you think the top three Super Bowl contenders would be? Patriots in Seattle for sure, and for some reason people aren't talking about the Seahawks, but their defense is every bit as good as Minnesota's and Denver's right now. I think they're the three top defenses in the league, um, and Wilson's catching fire. Look out. The line is getting better. The Patriots are just the Patriots, and now Gronk's healthy and Brady's back, and you know they're loaded. I think the Steelers are right there in that conversation too. Um Minnesota would be in my top five, probably not in my top three. Seattle, to me, is the best team in the NFC. I mean, that's not necessarily who's playing the best right to second, but when if I have to put a chip down of who ends up going to Super Bowl 51 in the NFC, I would definitely put it on the Seahawks. Yeah, I think it's worth, too, looking back to last year, take a look at who was 5 and 0 last season at the Atlanta Falcons. Did the Atlanta Falcons make the playoffs? No. You know, the Minnesota Vikings started 2 and 2 last year and it turned out they were playing some of the best football at the end of the season and they came a field goal away from beating Seattle. So, it, it's so much about are you healthy and how are sure. you playing at season's end? Pittsburgh is my favorite. Pittsburgh's offense just looks spectacular except for that weird game against Philadelphia where they just fell asleep, but the Steelers look really really tough to beat to me. Yeah, absolutely, and they have the last several years, and like you mentioned, they've gotten injured at the wrong time. You know, like they go to Denver without Le'Veon Bell and, you know, and, and A.B., you know, and that makes things tough, you know, and 
Um, but yeah, when they're right, they're exceptional, especially on offense. I think they're probably the best offense in the league, although I'm a believer in Atlanta that way too. And I think the Steeler defense is middle of the road, which is good enough. And, you know, there, there's something to be said for, like I mentioned with Belichick and Brady and certainly in Seattle, that the quarterback and the head coach and the organization as a whole are used to playing in big games. It's Matt Williamson at Williamson NFL, host of Locked On NFL on the Locked On Podcast Network. What's coming up on the pod, Matt? Every Thursday is Twitter Thursday and Thursday night uh, game preview. And then every Friday we break, I break down every game and make my picks. So those are the next two days. Awesome. We'll push people to that. Thank you for joining us. Great insights. I think people will appreciate the compliments about the Vikings, and I'm sure that we'll use uh, the headline, Williamson omits Vikings from Super Bowl favorites, and that'll, that'll be the, that'll <laughs> right, be the tea. Right. Like that'll be I the said, tease. 98% always said it was positive, but people will remember the other two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's how, always how it goes when you're an analyst. Well, Matt, thank you. All right, thank you. Take care. Quick word for you. With football being back, SeatGeek, S-E-A-T-G-E-E-K, SeatGeek.com is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the games you want to see up close and in person this season. Nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year. With SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the seats you want for a great value. Best seats in the house, 50-yard line, club, even upper level. They got them. If you have the SeatGeek app on your phone like I do, it's by far the easiest way to shop for tickets. You can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, find instantly the seats you want for the upcoming game. With SeatGeek, you always get the best value in every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek always finds you the lowest available price, and they want to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals. They've also got a 100% guarantee on every ticket you purchase. Best part, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get it, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code, enter promo code LOVIKINGS, SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code LOVIKINGS, Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst list today want to give a big shout out to our sponsors we really appreciate them they enable us to keep this show free and that's obviously great for you the listener want to end the show today by taking a quick look ahead at what's coming up for the vikings minnesota has philadelphia next sunday it is at philadelphia now i'm sure you'll remember that the eagles started three you know Everybody was on the Carson Wentz bandwagon. And then they go and they lose to Detroit 24-23. Now, he's allowed a slip-up. He is a rookie. This is a lot to give a rookie right now, especially when you look at what Jared Goff is doing in L.A. Much respect to Carson Wentz for winning his first three games. But he's going to face some adversity now that he's had his first loss. He's also lost his right tackle, Lane Johnson, due to a PED suspension. 
So that's going to hurt him on the offensive line. He's got his first divisional game coming up against the Washington Redskins on Sunday. Then comes Minnesota. So what will the state of Carson Wentz be now that he's faced his first loss? He's thrown his first interception. The honeymoon period ends quickly in the NFL. The game on Sunday against Washington will be a big factor into how Philly feels hosting Minnesota. I think the biggest asset of that Philadelphia team is their defense, and you'll want to watch that closely against Washington on Sunday. I would highly recommend watching that game, not only because the Vikings have Philadelphia coming up, but because NFC East games are always great, and Carson Wentz is practically one of us. If you buy into Vikings country extending west to the Dakotas, then you got to love what Carson Wentz is doing. And you can cheer against him in week seven when the Vikings play, but it's pretty cool how he's continuing to grow that NDSU brand, which is pretty cool for the Midwest. After Philadelphia, the Vikings play on the road again on Monday night against the Bears. Until last year, there was a huge Soldier Field hex that the Vikings finally burst with a Blair Walsh field goal late and some magic from Stefan Diggs and Charles Johnson. Chicago is not a good football team, and the Vikings should certainly be expected to win that on a big stage. Vikings actually won't be home for four weeks. The Lions come in next on November 6th. So it's Philly, it's Chicago, and then Detroit coming up for Minnesota. I think it takes a little pressure off those two divisional games when you're not that concerned about those teams within the division. Know what I mean? If you knew that the Bears and Lions results were going to be gigantic swings at season's end, then I think there'd be more pressure. But going on the road against Chicago should not represent now what it used to in the past. The Bears are in quarterback transition. Their defense is suboptimal. And Detroit is inconsistent at best. How will the Vikings handle these next three games out of the bye? Can't wait to find out. And we can't wait to join you again on Friday with Sage Rosenfels back with us. I'm Sam Ekstrom, at Sam Ekstrom. Big thanks to Matt Williamson today, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Come on, Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.